Hello and welcome to another episode of the Overcoming Life Podcast. Yeah, we made it. We made it into 2021, guys. Obviously, this is a man-made, constructed cutoff point from one to another. But, hey, we, we did it. Um, 2021, if you're still alive, if you're listening to this, good job. Well done. Uh, way to uh, have braved uh, through 2020 to be honest um 2020 was a great year for me um and my wife to be honest uh i think it was a better year for most people too for like a lot of people i think it was a good year a lot of people have learned to budget their money a lot of people have haven't been eating out as much um obviously you know people are losing their jobs and obviously there's a lot of terrible things happen but there are also some good things that have happened and so you know you 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 gotta, you gotta have a, a little bit of a silver lining in, in some of these situations. But uh, all in all, that being said, pretty much a, a good year for me. Pretty much a good year for me. One of the best years, actually, especially financially. Uh, we have been talking about the kingdom of God, and specifically, uh, we talked about the first king. We talked about how. Christ in his first and second coming are is bringing together the birthright. In his first coming, he came as uh, Judah, right? From the seed of David, the rightful and lawful king. Um, he took the scepter. He has dominion mandate, all power in heaven on earth, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Um, and as Christ, uh, he created all power in heaven and earth. So it kind of belonged to him anyways, but he also earned it. So not only did, did it belong to him, but he also earned that right to have all power in heaven and earth. And it's been given to him. And um, and so in his second coming, he comes as as a type of Joseph, guys, a fruitful bow. Uh, and in doing, as, as coming in the fruitfulness mandate, he's bringing forth many sons, right? So he is the firstborn of 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 all cre- of a new creation, and um, everyone who is born after him, who is born from above or born again, will be um, the fruit, right? The other the other types of fruit, the first fruits of his creation, which is amazing. And so when he brings us together, that is that is bringing uh, that is the head is the body. We are the body of Christ. Those who have the Spirit of God indwelling inside of us and who have been born again by a new and living and perishable seed, the Word of God. We have Christ in us, the hope of glory. He's bringing these two together as one body, one new man, the temple of God. It's a beautiful thing. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the citizens of the kingdom, who makes up the kingdom. And this is the essential second element that is needed uh, for kingdom. So the kingdom of God obviously has citizens and those who serve God and the king that he has appointed to rule the earth. Today, we citizens of the of this kingdom are called Christians, though not everyone who calls himself a Christian is actually a citizen of the kingdom. As far as God is concerned, God looks at the heart, not at the label. You guys understand this? So just because someone calls themselves a, a, a Christian or labels himself as such, does not necessarily mean in God's eyes that they are a citizen of the kingdom of God. Um, so the concept of citizenry, citizenry, is 
really the main focus of the fruitfulness mandate, which we just talked about, when God is bringing forth citizens or many sons belonging to the kingdom. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we read, Be fruitful and multiply. So Adam and Eve were to bring forth children that were in the image of God. And, of course, if they had brought forth these children before they had sinned, then uh, they would have brought forth uh, children in the likeness and image of God. But instead, they brought forth children in their own image after they sinned, right? Um, that is the, the likeness of human flesh, sinful uh, human flesh, which desires to do what it wants to do instead of what God has desired and originally intended for it to do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 47 through 49, we read, The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is from heaven. As is the earthy, also so are those who are earthy. As and as is the heavenly, also so also those who are heavenly. And just as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Isn't that amazing, guys? So we once bore the image of Adam, earthy, uh, in our carnal nature and sin and more and um, mortality working itself through us, through us through sin, having our minds set on the things of the earth and not on things above, um, loving ourselves, self-righteousness, self-adoration, um, just doing everything for ourselves. So the name Adam literally means earthy because it comes from the Hebrew word Adama, which means earth. And so obviously these uh, verses in 1 Corinthians are talking specifically about Adam and uh, Christ. So the citizens of the kingdom are destined to bear the image of heaven and of the heavenly, which is the image of Christ. And this, guys, is the idea of sonship. The process by which they attain this sonship and they are found to have the image and likeness of Christ in their character is set forth. In many ways in the Bible, and the best description of this is a three-step process that is seen in the Feast Day of Israel. And again, if you don't know the Feast Day of Israel, you have to get comfortable with it. You have to get comfortable knowing it. And it's actually seen in Leviticus chapter 23. The three feasts commemorate the main events in Israel's journey from Egypt to the Promised Land in the book of Exodus, guys. And so... Yes, it's a beautiful story. Yes, it's great. We saw uh, the Prince of Egypt. Uh, we saw these movies which depict uh, and wonderfully uh, what happened in the scriptures. But it is also a prophetic story, guys. It is as prophetic um, and directed to us as individuals and to the church as a whole. So Israel represents the church. Um the Passover, Pentecost, Tabernacles, they represent distinct ages and times in history. Uh, and not only distinct ages and times in history from a corporate level, but it also affects us on a personal level. So we're going to see, um, and it really prophesies of our journey um, as Christ is formed within us. Uh, the dominion of men's kingdom and to the kingdom of God. They represent three stages of development in our journey because Passover was the day that Israel left Egypt. It represents the time when an unbeliever becomes a believer and an effect leaves Egypt. Egypt means um, Egypt has this uh, 
kind of spiritual connotation that means double-minded, right? This double-mindedness, this kind of in the world, um, this kind of place. This is the feast day that makes one a citizen of the kingdom of God. And it is by faith in the true lamb of God, who is Jesus Christ. You guys see the symbolism there? The second feast day is Pentecost. And this commemorates when God came down upon the mountain and Mount Sinai and gave the Ten Commandments to Israel. Pentecost is the feast that represents being trained. The training of citizens to become rulers. So it's not just you're just this average citizen living in, in this kingdom of God. No, um, Pentecost represents you being trained up. It's a sanctification process. It is training to bringing you into spiritual maturity um, to instill the hearts and the principles of biblical law so that you can govern and judge people wisely and justly and with mercy. If that has been something that you have not been taught or that is something that you are not aware of, it's important that you be aware of this, that you are supposed to grow up in Christ. And growing up in Christ means learning how to judge righteously. It learns. It means learning how to judge with mercy. It means learning how to judge justly, guys, with justice and with love. Of course. Excuse me. So... The third feast day is Tabernacles, which was the day that Israel was supposed to enter the promised land. So they were supposed to enter in on the Feast of Tabernacles, but but Israel was not ready because um, they rejected the voice of God at Mount Sinai. They said, we don't really want to hear from you, God. We would rather hear from Moses. So Moses, you go up for us. So instead of God writing his law on their hearts, uh, by his word, by his spoken word, and instead of his word uh, penetrating to the depths of, of them and really removing the carnality and re really moving the earthy parts of them, um, their soulish desires, their carnal desires, um, instead of God's voice cleansing and washing them, they chose um, not to receive that. They chose not to receive the washing of the word of God. Instead, they said, Moses, go speak for us. And, um, and then uh, what was spoken through Moses was veiled to them. And to this day, even to the Jews and to many people, guys, the, the word of God is veiled to people through the voice of a pastor. And so it's, it's, it's the precedent that was set, which basically says, we would rather this man speak for us and have direct communication with God. We would rather hear from this guy's theology, this guy who has this um, type of training. We would rather this guy who went to seminary. We would rather, and I'm not saying that, all, that that stuff's bad, but I'm saying that people, humanity wants those things um, because it, it tends to their appetite. It tickles their ear. It makes them feel good because, oh, this person is qualified in the sight of, of the flesh instead of being really qualified in the sight of God. And so the only, the only issue with that is, is the precedent is set that this person, this man, this will rule over us. And of course, like Moses was a type of Christ, but in the end, Moses um, didn't even make it into the promised land, right? And so that even speaks to I think sometimes we set 
our minds so heavily on, okay, every Sunday, this pastor, this preacher, this teacher, this is the guy. And then, you know, so, uh, and then we put all of our eggs in this basket instead of like, Father, you teach me, teach me your word, teach me what you want to teach me, not, and not what this guy wants to teach me. I need to hear from you directly, if that makes sense. And, um, if you don't think that God can do that, then you're completely missing the point of the Holy Spirit, who is purpose to lead us and to guide us into all the truth. I'm not saying that we don't need other people, but I think that we get caught up in believing that, you know, I've, I've literally had people tell me, uh, you're not, uh, you're not a pastor. You can't speak to people. You can't do these things. You're a sheep. I've literally had people tell me that. So we, um, it's, it's dangerous, guys. It's dangerous to listen to the voice of man, the tradition of man, the theology of men, um, and not to honor God um, and to not to listen to God straight up. So, I mean, that being said, you know, we'll look at even just a, uh, just a slight. I mean, we see it all the time. These mega churches, mega pastors, very popular people um, who on the outside uh, look very good and who have very good words very good books. And then it turns out um, in their hearts, they were were evil towards God. And it makes me sad. It makes it literally makes me want to tear up because it's uh, it's heartbreaking to see that. Um, and it, it affects it affects so many people um, who who trust these men. Right, who availed themselves to them, but Jesus never availed himself to men. He never trusted men in that sense, guys, because he knew what was in the heart of men. And so, um, anyways, uh, you know, you have someone like Ravi Zacharias, right, who is this amazing apologist, an amazing uh, theologian, and just a defender of the faith in every way against atheism for you know, more morality for the, the work of God. And it turns out he's been sexually coercing and abusing women um, in his own private uh, massage parlor um, for years, guys, for years, and even denied it, even though the evidence is very clearly um, and explicitly there um, against uh, his, his actions. And it's heartbreaking. It's absolutely heartbreaking. We have to be careful, guys, that we follow God and not follow men. So, again, we're talking about uh, the principles of biblical law that a person has to learn and mature and grow up into. It doesn't matter how much you think you know. If the character of Christ is not displayed uh, through you, if the character of Christ is not displayed if you think that you still retain the right to sin, that you still hold um, the right to sin, um, then you do not understand grace. Then you do not understand um, the purpose of Christ's sacrifice. Then, then you're missing some pieces. But the only way for you to walk rightly is to understand. And um, so we have to be willing to op open to understand. The third feast day is tabernacles, guys. So we have Passover, Pentecost, tabernacles. And it was the day that they were supposed to enter the promised land. And it prophesied uh, of a later day. And uh, again, these people didn't make it into the, the promised land, right? Because uh, Joshua and Caleb went in. They were like, hey, it's pretty sweet. And then the other uh, 10 
spies were like, the, the giants are too big. There's no way we're going to beat them. And the people believed the evil report instead of the good report, which God um, had spoken through these two men who were symbolic and um, of the overcomers who will rule with Christ, who do inherit the land. So it prophesied of a later day, tabernacles, after God had trained many rulers over the centuries to rule in the tabernacles age to come. The Feast of Tabernacles will be fulfilled by the manifestation of the sons of God who are destined to rule under Christ's headship. And if you don't understand that, um, all you need to understand right now and know is that in the millennial uh, kingdom in in the age of of Christ of his reign that is the thousand year reign as seen in Revelation chapter twenty, um, there are rulers who rule with Christ and these people who qualify to rule with them are those who have been fully mature who have fully matured um, in Christ. Not every Christian is raised in the first resurrection, and um, I think we've talked about that a little bit in my podcast episode called The Purpose of the Resurrection. Not every Christian is raised in the first resurrection, guys. There are two resurrections. The first resurrection is only for believers who have qualified to rule, who have received um, the word in such a way as uh, it has transformed and changed their, their, their hearts, minds, lives, not only on an individual level, but in how they treat other people, that they are not, um, that they are not only obedient to the word, will, mind, heart, nature, character of God, but they are also uh, in agreement with it. They are in agreement with his law. You, I know right away, you can know right away um, someone who is uh, in agreement with God um, by nature of if they understand that his law is still, um, in, is still active today. I know right away if a person... Um, not, I'm not saying is qualified or not, but you can know right away uh, the maturity of a person based upon um, if they recognize that the law of God is good. If they voice their opinion with David, it says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. If people have said that they have done away with the law, if 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 you believe that the law has been done away with, if you believe that God's law doesn't matter, um, then then you you are not in agreement with God and you can you're not at a place of 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 maturation Christ in you is not um being is not mature you have not submitted to to Christ in you and the reason i know that is because Christ's mind is set only ever to do the will of God and to be in agreement with it and so if we say well the law has been done away with and so Jesus is done away uh, with the law and he's abolished it and it doesn't matter anymore we don't have to obey the law then then you are um essentially made yourself lawless guys you made yourself lawless and you say um i am not in agreement with god and uh you it, it it'd be hard to qualify it'd be hard for god to qualify somebody who says yeah i'll be obedient to you but i don't really i'm not really in agreement with you you know that you can be obedient to god and and not be in agreement with him um we have to get we have to mature and grow up guys into him so the citizenship in the kingdom of God is, it really only requires faith in Christ as seen in the feast of Passover. So if you want citizenship, all you need is faith, right? And that comes from hearing by the word of God and just believing what he said he will do. Um, rulership requires maturity that is learned by obedience. 
as portrayed in the Feast of Pentecost and finally attained in the uh, Feast of Tabernacles. The the Feast of Tabernacles is the manifestation of the sons of God as seen in Romans uh, chapter 8, I think. So Tabernacles prophesies of the manifestation of the sons of God. Tabernacles has not yet been fulfilled, but we are in the Tabernacles age. Um, when the mature citizens of the kingdom are fully transformed to the image of Christ, that is when the tabernacles will be fulfilled. And these three steps can be easily summarized in uh, these words, keywords specifically, faith, obedience, and agreement. And we just talked about that. The journey to sonship begins with faith and moves to obedience, um, during which a time, it, it takes time to grow and mature, but um, your human nature must learn to become subject to the will of God. And you learn to hear God's voice and to be led by the Holy Spirit. And during this time, there's a gradual change in the heart of the believer. Obedience implies submitting to the will of God, whether one, whether you agree with it or whether you don't. Um, whether you agree with the law or the commandment of God or whether you don't. That is obedience. But as one develops understanding the ways of God, obedience is replaced by agreement. Agreement is when a person no longer needs to be commanded to do something because the person already knows uh, how to do it by nature. It's an inner motive. So the goal of sonship then is neither faith or obedience, but full agreement with the mind of Christ. And this is accomplished by the fulfillment of the Feast of Tabernacles. Isn't that freaking amazing, guys? That is awesome. So this is the first part of the citizenship of the kingdom of God. And it is very different from the citizenship in a Christian nation. Um, and we will have to talk more about this citizenship later in a in a uh, in our next episode because we're running out of time. But blessing to you guys, and we will see you next episode uh, when we talk more about the citizenship of the kingdom.